Craven Cottage, make some noise for the team of the Fulhamish Podcast! It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show. Today we'll be previewing the final match of the season. Back at Old Trafford, can we get a little bit of redemption? Also, there's lots of Fulham news. There's some rumours swirling about uh, potential transfers. No doubt we'll have a little bit of a rant that Harrison Reed didn't make the England squad again. I've got loads of great emails and some fantastic this'll catch-ons at the end. And I am joined by the regular Thursday club, Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, Sammy. How you doing? Good, thank you. And bonjour, can I say it? It's bonjour, Pierre Rutzler. Hap Harry. <laughs> yeah, that, that initial accent needed a bit of work there, Sam. You've been in, you've been in France. Expect, expect better. Uh, I'm good. How are you? How are you guys? Fine, thank you. Lovely to have you back on. Um, how, how is life treating you? Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been good. Um, it's been very busy. I mean, it's, it's cooled down a little bit in the last week now that Messi's not taking unauthorised trips to the Middle East. Um, but no, it's been, yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, uh, difficult sometimes to try and stay on top of all the Fulham. I've been quite good at it actually. I've been watching most of them. Um, yeah. but, uh, in general, in general, it's been, I've been enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So, uh, yeah. Where have you been watching the Fulham matches? Uh, well, I watched one in a bar in the middle of Paris and I can't remember its name and it would have been a lovely opportunity to to flag it it's like a pub it's near near this uh, anyway I, I went with um it's a pub in the middle of paris yeah. so that narrows it down <laughs> to be, to be, well yeah it's not it's not a brasserie so uh, or a bar um but in general no just just uh there's a sports bar actually not just just down the road from me so i sometimes go down there um but they don't always have it on so it's it's, it's very hit yes. and miss but they do broadcast all the games here all right, um, Jack, should we have a quick final word on Palace from Saturday? Yeah. Uh, in George Cooper's words, a Desmond at the cottage. Um, very um, symmetrical with the first game of the season. Mitrovic scored twice. It was a two-wheel draw. He scored a penalty and a header in both games. Both games we were kind of pulled back late. It was basically a carbon copy of that first game of the season. Yeah, I mean, and also the header and the penalty were at the, the same ends that they were at the, in the yes. first game of the season. Or the reverse. Roy did the thing. This is the, the thing that only Roy does, and he turned Fulham around. Uh, I think I was talking to Dean about this on ranks and he was like, he brings his, his son Dylan, who's, who's five, who was absolutely flabbergasted. Was, Dad, they're kicking them all the wrong way. Like, he just <laughs> didn't understand how, you know, how this, how this worked. And, and look, it, he does it every time. It is annoying that we weren't kicking towards the Hammersmith end in the final half of the season. It frustrates yeah. me. And I know that it would have frustrated everyone else. And that's why Roy did it, obviously. It, it worked. Um, and look, it's been an amazing season. It was it was a good game. I am sad to suggest that, you know, despite this campaign, despite finishing in the top half, we now have to be relegated. It's really frustrating because um, Joel Ward scored against us. So, right. so, so I mean, the it's just an immediate relegation, isn't it? Like, just send us, <laughs> send us to the championship. Joel Ward. This is not acceptable. Um, I'm disappointed in the lads. I just, it's, my brother turned to me. We were away this weekend. My brother turned to me and, and he shouted across. He was like, Jack, we've been relegated. And I was like, what? And he was like, Joel Ward scored again. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh, no, that's it. It's over. Send us back to the championship. We're on our way. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it was an, an extremely, um, scrappy goal and Peter, the record has to wait for another week, uh, a point to old Trafford and we equal the record, obviously win it and we break the record. Um, so despite Fulham being 10th and nothing else but 10th, um, there is still a little something to fight for this, this Sunday. Oh yeah. And it will matter. You know, I'm, I'm sure Marco Silva will be desperate to to get that points tally you know the, the way that the team have picked off different records over the past couple of seasons um they do matter they, they do certainly to to the coach and his team and the players and they've responded to that in a really good way um but even if they don't don't get it um 
I think, you know, the things that the club have ticked off this season in terms of obviously beating Chelsea, finishing above Chelsea for the first time in about 40 years. I think it's the most goals in the top flight since the 60s as well. Um, mm. What we about 21 points clear of the relegation zone at the moment. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot has been achieved this year, but I think that would really be the icing, icing on the cake, um, particularly for a team that's just come back into the Premier League. And, um, you know, it's not going to be easy at Old Trafford, but, you know, there's, uh, there's players with points to prove it at that venue. Um, so let's see. I mean, Jack, I was looking back and obviously 31 points is currently the amount of points you need um, to be outside of the relegation zone. Fulham achieved that when we beat Chelsea. Yeah. So we achieved that before the halfway mark of the season. Um, so I think, you know, we had all those uh, debates back in February, whether 38 points, whether 39 points was technically enough, whether if we lost every game between now and the end of the season, whether we'd been relegated. We at least know the answer um, to that one. Um, there was a brilliant article actually in the uh, in the Athletic yesterday by, by Nick Miller, and he was uh, myth-busting things in the Premier League. And uh, most of the myths kind of, well, obviously just seasonal anomalies, things like the amount of score lines or the amount of two goals lead uh, that were blown. The only one that Nick was like, it really 40 points really is a myth. Yeah, it has been for ages. Well, it's not in Spain. How about that? Two games to go, 38 points still in the relegation zone. So, um, okay. So bear in mind that in La Liga, things are different. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, we're, we're talking about something that hasn't been the case for, for some time in the Premier League. But equally... There is an element of, I think there's an element of that's a bar that guarantees you safety, right? That's yeah. like a, yes, okay, the totals will fall below that. They tend to talk, fall around 34, 35. You can survive these days. But 40 is a, is a sensible barrier still in that regard to be like, okay, yeah. cool. If we get to 40, we will be safe. Now, you know, you could probably, it's, it's slightly different in Fulham's case here because we were on 39 for such a long period and everyone was like, oh no, is that going to be enough? Do we need to get over the barrier? Fine. Like, I agree with, with all of the above. And I think that Nick's probably got a point in that and that 39 is almost certainly enough. But the security that comes with getting over 40 points is about knowing that you're going to be in the Premier League next year. And I think that that's the, that's the kind of key element with it. It's about that, it's about that barrier or the buffer to the relegation zone. You get over 40, you tend to be finishing like 13th. And that's good. Yeah. That means you're not being dragged headlong into the scrap. And I think that's important. Um, there was a guy in the bar after the Man City game. He was Scottish and he full on sounded like groundskeeper Willie from the, uh, from the Simpsons. And um, me and my mate were just having our own conversation. And he literally turned around to us just mid conversation. He was like, guys, I mean, try I'm not going to do the accent. He's like, I've got a question. I feel like you guys are the guys to answer this. And I was like, okay. He was like, what's the maximum amount of points that you need in order to be 100% guaranteed safety in the Premier League? And I was like, I have no idea how you expect me to answer this, but he was insistent that we found out. So he made us Google it, basically. I, he, seemingly he was incapable of Googling himself. And um, we, we established that technically you need about 63 points to be 100% guaranteed from safety. Obviously, that is only a scenario where like every team like draws its games or wins its games or something crazy that would like never, ever happen. But yeah, so... Technically, Jack, we haven't actually got enough points to be 100% guaranteed from safety. So we do need to bear that in mind maybe for future seasons. Well, that's good because we've been relegated because we conceded to Joel Ward. <laughs> um, Peter, United on um, Sunday. Um, you were there that fateful day in the, in, in the FA Cup um, when it all went wrong. We don't need to mention what happened again. We all know. Um, do you think that will play a factor? in this obviously nothing's on the line really for either side um by the time you listen to this man united will likely have 100 percent secured champions league football for next season and obviously fulham can only finish 10th um you mentioned obviously we talked about there's the record points total to go for but yeah i'm just interested to know what what marco and the players are going to think going back into old trafford and knowing what was so close and that that still is the most traumatic moment of this season, like by far. Yeah, well, as long as there's, there's no sort of PTSD or it just triggers similar anxiety and, and reaction and um, <laughs> anger and um, 
has this kind of a, a effect on the team, then it should be fine. I think uh, with these games, you, you're going to enjoy it. I think when you're, I think for a lot of the squad, obviously, you know, they've been, the team have been up and down. You, you, you want to relish those games and it's quite rare to go to a game at a venue like Old Trafford, as historic as Old Trafford, where you can just kind of enjoy it and play your football. Um, yeah. So I think that would probably be the overriding feeling. I think there will be a sense of, kind of proving a point because you know the fact that man united won that cup tie was incredibly fortunate for united because they were terrible um so maybe there will be a point of being like well actually let's let's do a job over 90 minutes here and actually show this team with their supporters that you know he kind of got away with one really you know it was a, our own undoing that led to the cup exit because in that game fulham were great for 75 minutes so they can do it um so they'll take confidence from that I'm sure Mitrovic would love to score at Old Trafford. Um, I'm not even sure, like, I'm not even sure really the relevance, you know, obviously it was all to do with the referees. It's not really United. Like, United were just sort of, you know, the extras to the show. Um, yeah. The supporting <laughs> cast, yeah. Yeah, they were, really. Um, so, yeah, but they were there, weren't they? So, kind of just stick it to them, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, maybe, maybe I, these games can be really erratic, can't they, when there's nothing on them? Because... There's no kind of pressure. Maybe, maybe if United still have to secure Yeah, I was going to say, United, I mean, spot, they're playing Chelsea, so the chance of them losing tonight are, are slim. But Yeah, that was, what, that was what made me say it's pretty much guaranteed. They don't need a point, don't they? Like, they, they need a point away at Chelsea. You'd, you'd imagine that they're going yeah. to... At home against Chelsea, I apologise. They've got two home games in a row. Um, Does third come into it? Uh, yes, yeah, because that's I a mean, qualifying spot, isn't it, still? They're all qualifying sports, aren't they? Yeah, because they all qualify now. Or is it all four go straight in? Yeah, it used to be that. Boring. Their goal difference is so bad for a top four team. It makes me laugh every time I look at it. I'm like, what are you doing? Why have you only, haven't you scored 52 goals? What's wrong with you? Um, I guess the 7 0 doesn't, uh, doesn't help. No, no, no. That. But like, um, as in they've only scored 52 goals. Like, Leicester have scored 49 goals and they're in the relegation zone. Man United have scored 52. Fulham have scored 54. This is what I mean. Like, it's it's, it's bizarre. Considering you look at the goal, the goal tallies of the teams around them, 94 for City, 83 for Arsenal, 67 for Newcastle, 71 for Liverpool, 71 for Brighton. Like... But I think that plays into what we know about United is that up front, they have not... Yeah, and no, 100%. Options. 100%. But it, it's just a little bit... Well, it's, it's impressive in its own kind of way that they've <laughs> managed to, to win this many games by, like, single goal margins. But... Yeah, it's. I mean, you look at United's record this season. I mean, like, actually, it's a bit annoying and a bit of an indictment on Fulham. I think Fulham's the only team in the top ten that United have beaten away. Mm. Like the amount every time like I've seen a United result this season, they beat every team that's below them in the league at home. I swear, like two nil, (laughs) and they somehow managed to win. I think some of the easier away games, and then just every single difficult away game this season, United have um, have crumbled and. Certainly Fulham know that they have got the beating of this team. There was no Casemiro that day that Fulham did so well in the FA Cup. So that makes life a little bit more difficult in the midfield. Certainly that was a big factor of why Fulham were so good that day was because Fulham were able to boss that midfield. And we won't have it quite so easy this time around with uh, signing of the season Casemiro. Well, it depends, right? Because they've got this game against Chelsea today. If they take a point or three points in that game, it's secure. They've got their Champions League spot secure and they have an FA Cup final next Saturday. Like, yeah, there might one. well be rotation. And then that's a massive, like, that's a massive game. That's that's the game for me that makes or breaks United's season. Right? If they stop City winning the treble and they win the League Cup and they win the FA Cup off the back of it, then that's a really, really, you can't ask for much more than that in a debut season for Ten Hag and they've qualified for the Champions League. If they don't, then and City go on and match their greatest achievement, then it looks a little bit like, okay, that was an all right first go around the merry-go-round. Obviously, there's, there's caveats and, and, and things to think, but I think that if they get the points against Chelsea tonight, we might see major rotation in this United side. Major rotation. Yeah, I agree, because it's the treble, stopping City winning the treble is absolutely massive for, for United. Like, that's that's up there, isn't it? That that's almost a there's a cliche, guys. The trophy in itself, oh, well, it is literally a trophy, actually, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they yeah. will be rewarded with one. Um, 
so yeah that's that'd be above everything but um yeah once the top four secure then yeah not saying it's a pointless game but you know no i actually kind of had forgotten about the cup final and do you imagine probably if, if you were going to pick one of the games to pick a stronger lineup you probably go for the chelsea game right get the point that you need just in case that there's any small chance and then you can relax in that final game on a similar wave point peter do you think that fulham will make kind of any changes a few like rotation pieces that we might use just with an eye on next season or uh youth or anything like that i mean i know that there's the record points total to be gained but there is no financial incentive for fulham to win there's no place in the table or anything that can that can be denied I don't think the, the financial incentive of 10th, 9th will have the same sort of inspirational effect on players as it might do the the boardroom, for example. But um, I, the thing is, like with these kind of games where there's not riding them, you, you, you assess every change and be like, ah, oh, this guy's not playing, therefore his contract's not being renewed and um, it gets into that kind of territory. But what I would say is that, like I was saying before, like that record total is going to matter. Like there's going to be a target. It's, I'd be would be surprised if Silver doesn't go full strength. I know that seems a bit weird, but you want that records total. I think the club will want that records total because it's there. Yeah. The taking, you know, and you may not happen, may not come close next year. You you just don't know. So when it's on the table, you kind of got to go for it. So I, I imagine it'll be pretty strong, a pretty strong team. Jack, um, do you agree? Would you, if, if if it was you, is it basically an unchanged lineup? Mitrovic is back in the starting eleven now. So you look at that side that started against Crystal Palace, and I don't really see where any change comes into this. Assuming that Marco's not got, I don't know, an eye on youth, and even if Marco does have an eye on youth, if he is going to give Luke Harris this <laughs> coveted twenty minutes that we've discussed all season. Um, it's just going to be that. It's going to be 20 minutes. It's not going to be starting, is it? I mean, maybe this is the time where he finally listens to you and plays Sasalukic. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, to be honest, after the performances that Harrison Reeds put in of late, then I can't really sanction dropping him. Like, it would be, it, it would feel incredibly unfair. So I'd imagine that it's going to be as you were for, for this Fulham in this game. Yes, I hope he gives a couple of players a, a run out, Luke Harris, et cetera, at the end of, at the end of this game. But... I'd be surprised if there's major changes. Uh, I think with Fulham, you know, finishing the season, nothing left after this one. It's almost like a swan song for, you know, this season and, and these players and this group that's done so well. So I'd imagine that he will probably allow them to finish the season at, at the strength that he'd, he'd want. You know, there's also players here, you know, I, I'd imagine that if he was fit and available, then Andreas Pereira would be itching to play at Old Trafford again, but he's not. So we are where we are. I, I can't see him changing from what we've seen from the side in, in the last couple of weeks, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. All the games um, kick off at the same time. I mean, the only real thing that anyone's going to be watching on uh, on Sunday is the uh, is the battle to stay up. Um, Lads, do we think Everton have got enough to uh, to stay up? Surely, that's, I mean, it's totally in their hands. A win at home against Bournemouth, which feels to me like the absolute perfect team that you'd want on the final day. But uh, can we see any any other shocks, potentially a Leicester snipping in there? I think Leeds are going to beat Spurs. Agree. But I don't know if that's going to be enough. That's the uh, Two goals from corners. One maybe for a long throw. They scored from a long throw, didn't they? Allardyce beating Spurs yep. is very vibes. For me, I was not aware how good uh, Weston McKenney's long throw is. Yeah, bit of a weapon. Bit of a weapon. <laughs> That's probably the first thing Big Sam's asked, isn't it? When he's gone into the training ground, where he's like, right, who's got the longest throw? I'll just get them lined up just to see who's got it. <laughs> it was really unconventional. It's like a shot put. Like, yeah, the way he throws yeah it. it's like, like it's one really hand not... one hand leads it. It's quite, it's quite, yeah. quite um was yeah. there like a debate years ago about that kind of technique? Because I feel like there was, where it's like, oh, is this allowed? And you're like bending the rules, but maybe in the like Tony Pulis era, where it was sort of like that. Well, there was a lot like of a, it, wasn't there? Because uh, Arsene Wenger tried to get throw-ins banned off. Stoke scored loads of goals against him. Like he, like, he literally was like, we should, we should ban throw-ins. And I was like, there's, there's okay. no real logic to this, but like with Big Sam's appointment, there is uh, such a strong desire for it to succeed. Like really, really wanted him to keep them up. Like I, I have no real like dog yeah, no, in the, dog no, in the yeah, game. Yeah, like, no but, skin in the, no skin in it. But yeah, like, it was like yeah, no, I just thought it was, it would be funny. 
just him come in and then be like, yeah, I'm as good as Klopp and Guardiola and then literally keep Leeds up when they're an absolute shower. Like, I think that would be, that'd be incredible. Um, but I can't see it. I feel like of the crisis levels of these clubs, Everton are probably less stressed after their result last time out, the draw. Um, it's such a massive goal. I mean, I, yeah. you, I think psychologically, massive, psychologically, yeah, it doesn't, I mean, they'd be exactly the same position that they lost, but like psychologically, that is a huge goal, I think, for Everton. And yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I, I think Leicester are done. I'll be honest. Yeah. I think Leicester are finished. Um, but their, their game against West Ham at home, you know, that's, that's, I mean, especially with the conference league on their mind, that's a very winnable game. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I could see all three of them winning. Yeah, I could as well. Which just means that, yeah, so it's, it's, it's Everton's foot. I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm very ambivalent to, to, to who goes down, um, to be honest, from, from, from those three. Well, I, I think see, I honestly can see Everton most, losing but... to Bournemouth. I can see Goodison Park, one goal from Bournemouth after like a minute, like Solanke scoring from kickoff or something, and the place <laughs> just going absolutely like rage quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Buddhism Park will be uh, will be in uh, in full force. All right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, uh, we've got some other business to deal with. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Well, whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish. That's betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month. Hello, it's Sammy here and Fulhamish is backed by NordVPN, which is a way of watching sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by just switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. And right now we've got an exclusive deal which you can get by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. They'll give you a huge discount off your plan plus four additional months all for free. Now, my dad actually had a perfect usage case for NordVPN the other day. He was out in Spain, but he wanted to watch the match of the day highlights of when Fulham beat Southampton 2-0. So he knows I've got an account. He dropped me a text and I gave him my logins. And that's absolutely fine because you can use one NordVPN account on up to six devices. So he logged into NordVPN, switched his location, and watched Alexander Mitrovic bag on his return in glorious Technicolor on his iPad. Now, NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, and there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you decide it's not for you, then no worries. To get that exclusive deal that I mentioned of four free months plus an additional discount, head to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. That's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here, back with Jack Collins and Peter Rutzler. Um, just before we do some other business, I feel like one thing that we maybe didn't give enough credit to in part one, Peter, is just actually the fact that Fulham are top 10. The fact that Fulham are finishing above Chelsea for the first time in 40 years. And I feel like it's not necessarily getting the credit it deserves. And this has been a common theme on Fulhamish, especially in the last couple of months as I feel like Fulham fans are upset because we don't seem to get the love that I don't know Brighton are getting or others etc I think when Marco Silva got nominated for manager of the season a lot of people were like why is Marco Silva in there Gary O'Neill kept Bournemouth up um you do that to but <laughs> just I thought like we should have a couple of minutes just to really hammer home like what an achievement this was because at the beginning of the season as we know the only aim was to stay up. So to finish top 10 is exceeding the expectations by so much. Yeah, I, I think the reason for it is because this, like the story with Forrest and the story with Bournemouth is more recent. It's been more discussed. Like Fulham, Fulham have been fine for a very long time. And that's kind of why people have just forgotten about the club 
and I know that's kind of a real Fulham thing. Like it happens, seems to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and, and you're 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 absolutely right though. Like there's that should not underplay or underestimate the the scale of the achievement because while Scott Parker was moaning about Bournemouth squad, you know, Marco Silva wasn't exactly happy with Fulham before the start of the season. Um, that Is that just before, covering your bases though? No, I've, I've got to say that, that there is an element here where surely all managers yeah, 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 yeah. are just covering their own bases. But like, if we don't yeah, go down, it's definitely time. not my fault. It's, uh, it's the yeah, squad. Yeah, it's, the squad's not ready, you know, it's, it wasn't me. But no, yeah, of course there's an, there is an element of that. Um, and it was that, that was like the theme of last summer, though, wasn't it? Because you have all this anxiety about transfers and that it was slow. But then you'd actually see them on the pitch and they'd look okay. And it was this sort of weird feeling. I remember being asked, "What was? How did you feel throughout the season?" I was like, "Well, what I've seen on the pitch is pretty good, but then mm. the noises coming out, particularly from the manager, is not particularly positive at all." But that aside, the the performances, the fact that so many of the recruits have been bang on like incredible like Bernd Leno the more the more I think about Bernd Leno actually the more I think he's probably the signing of the season in the whole Premier League like I know Jabalinia deserves a mention obviously and he's been fantastic but just value for money is insane um, but uh, going back to your point yeah absolutely I, the, the stat you pointed out on Twitter the other day like that genuinely struck me like more points than Palace have ever achieved in the Premier League that's that is correct as well. Like that's that's ridiculous for a newly promoted team, um, especially for a team that everyone's like, "Oh, Palace, Palace have been in the league for so long." To, but to come in, to come in, hit fifty points, to close in on the records points total, to beat Chelsea, not lose them home and away. Um, Finish above. We talked about it earlier. Most goals, like it's for since the sixties, and to play in an entertaining way, like not just grind out these results to to stay up. It's been entertaining like the games have been good um it's been very rare that you come away from a game and thought oh, that was that wasn't that wasn't much fun um so yeah it's, it is the nature of things but as you say you know silver deserves being nominated there's, there's not to underplay the other achievements like i think steve cooper's done an incredible job with forest because how you take that many players and turn them into a team is i know it's a lot of money spent but money spending money doesn't mean anything like it's it's how you spend it and what you do with it and the structures around it He's um, done great. Gary O'Neill, of course, has done a really, really good job. Like, that's, you can't, there's no disputing that. But at the same time, that doesn't lessen what Fulham have done. They were a newly promoted team, a newly promoted team that everybody wrote up last summer. And it was literally after the first game that everyone was like, ah, cool. Okay, Fulham were all right. And since then, it's been fine. And I think, and, and maybe there's also the fact that Fulham did so well, like got into the top seven for quite some time. Everyone, that then they faded afterwards and it was like, ah, well, they didn't really achieve what, you know, they could have done. It's like, well, mm. that's a rod for their own back kind of thing. So all of these things have contributed, but doesn't, doesn't under, you know, doesn't lessen what, what, what Fulham have done. Yeah. I think Jack, in terms of overlooking, uh, um, a lot of people, um, Peter and my, myself included on Twitter, um, we're a bit miffed watching uh, Monday Night Football's awards of the season. We're going to do our very own um, next week. And um, I mean, there was no Fulham player mention in there at all. And uh, you know, fair enough, obviously, like there are better players and more impressive things than what Fulham have done um, this season. But it was in the category of signing of the season where um, Jamie Carragher went for Morgan Gibbs-White of... Nottingham Forest and Gary Neville said he couldn't think of any other player other than Casemiro who's had such a big impact on his side. I mean, even like taking off my Fulham hat, Sven Botman, Ben Mee, like I could think of a few other players that have had just as much of an impact as Casemiro. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it it, it was a bit silly, wasn't it? It's probably how I, I would. I would put it. I um, turned my television off as soon as the final whistle went in that game. So that that's what I'd advise lots of people to do. Um, yeah. Look, I, I have no problem with Fulham players not making it into the team this season. I, I've tried to shoehorn Pellinia into mine, but it's difficult when there have been some really big standout performances at the top of the table for the teams that have finished in the top four, right? So you look at that and you think, okay, cool. Like it's not the end of the world that there isn't a Fulham player in, in the team of the season. I think Bernd Leno has a good a shout as anybody. Um, 
to be in goal. And I think it, it for me, it's a toss up between Leno and, and Pope. So those are the those are the ones that I look at and go, okay, fine, I don't mind that. But yeah, I, I mean, you even get these things being like, what's the bargain signing of the season? And suddenly, you know, Neville's throwing around Christian Eriksson, and it's like, okay, right, cool. Are we actually doing this, or are we 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 just we just doing that? Are we okay, cool. Um, so so yeah, I mean, look, we're not going to find any. I don't think we're going to find any love, and I think you're spot on what you said at the start. The fact that Fulham have basically been in the top ten for the entirety of the season means there wasn't any jeopardy associated with it I don't think in 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 that way and we might have felt jeopardy but I don't think that many others would have felt felt jeopardy on our behalf and I think that that's probably important to know at this point and with the relegation battle being so widespread and so big the teams that have clawed themselves out of it have you know taken the plaudits and rightly so right so there's turnarounds and there's turnarounds and you know whilst Whilst Marco Silva is deservedly in that manager of the year conversation, Sam and I were discussing this and we were discussing the fact that we're not sure what Gary O'Neill actually does. Like, we, like every time I've watched Bournemouth, they've been terrible. They just occasionally <laughs> get like really good results. And that's, you know, he deserves massive credit for that. But I can't like tactically be like, oh, okay, cool. He's done a really good job in, in bringing this out. Whereas I think you could say that for Cooper at Forest. I can understand the way that Cooper has kind of shifted his dichotomies to make things work and and shifted his parameters in order to actually make this Nottingham Forest side capable towards the end of the season and, and, and made some big results. So I can understand why there is a little bit of maybe kind of discussion around the fact that Marco Silva was in there, but I don't think there should be. I think that taking a newly promoted side to the top 10 of the Premier League is a pretty much a shoe in for at least a nomination for the, for the manager of the year conversation. And the fact is that Whilst these storylines of Cooper and, and O'Neill probably have more, you know, as Peter says, recency bias about them, actually Fulham finished highest of the top of the three promoted sides and didn't get dragged into a relegation scrap. And whilst that means that there's less jeopardy, sure, it means also that he's done a better job. Like there, there is, you know, and people point to the fact that you know Forrest spent more than us. Bournemouth didn't spend much different when you consider the two windows actually put together. I think and they spent more if you, because it's, is it Watra who's on loan with, it, with yeah. the obligation? If you include and the that, obligation, yeah. Yeah. then I think they spent more than Fulham. So it's not like they're like, oh, Silver did it while spending loads of money. It just, the truth is that I didn't get, Fulham were in a much better place than either of the other two promoted mm. sides at the start of the end of last season. And that that's to be looked at. Um but, you know, I, I think generally you can't take a newly promoted side, finish 10th and, and not be in the conversation for manager of the season, you know, unless you, you suddenly get handed, you know, 500 million to spend and you, then you're expected to challenge for Europe and you're not. That's that's the only caveat I can imagine that would would maybe take away from that. I, I think that Mark Silver is a rightful, in his rightful place in the nominations there. He's not going to win it, I don't think, but no. to get nominated in itself is an achievement. And I think that, yeah, um, look, we can fly under the radar. That's okay. I don't mind that. Hopefully, someone it means that someone won't come in and try and steal Polina. So, if if we're if we're going under the radar in that regard, then I will accept it. Yeah, a uh, win on uh, Sunday, and Fulham will be in the top ten um, promoted Premier League sides ever in terms of points tally. Nice. <clears throat> we'll, we'll we'll just be nipping into the top ten ahead of Sheffield United. Uh, a few seasons ago, which would uh, another little carrot uh, for Fulham to play for on Sunday. We found one down the back of the sofa. Um, let's look at another overlook. Um, Peter, I saw you mention this again yesterday on Twitter. Um, I was going to, but I felt like enough people had made the point that I was like, yeah, I think, I think we I think we're good here. Um, the England squad um, for the upcoming June internationals is out. No Harrison Reed again. Now, we talked about this before the World Cup and although kind of we did, we were serious before the World Cup, but I think we all knew that that's not the time to blood in a brand new player just because he's had a couple of good months. I'm looking at that midfield and I'm thinking, I know that these are qualifiers, these aren't friendlies, but I mean, what's, what's Connor Gallagher or Calvin Phillips done this season to be in there? But I know that there's lots of cases of, players that are in there completely not on merit south southgate just mostly i know there's a few players that you know deservedly so i think eberich is a fantastic for him to be in the squad and, and and fully deserved at the same time but 
yeah, Southgate has his favourites and, and just Harrison Reed has not managed to force his way into his thinking seemingly whatsoever. Yeah, I, I think my, my issue with the Calvin Phillips thing is that this has been a long time thing. It's not like, you know, he's, he's missed a few months. You know, he's not been playing much for about a year, hasn't he? It's, was it longer than that now? Um, so there reaches a point where you go, I kind of need to look at alternatives. Um, now, I... I I do understand, like, and any national team manager is going to get accused of favourites, but if you're a national team coach, you probably want to try and build a team with familiarity. You can't just keep putting people together. And maybe Jack will explain this better than me, but sometimes it's useful to have players that know each other well on a personal basis. They know their style of play. You as a team are going to play better. You want to try and create a, as close to a club environment as possible while rewarding those who deserve to be in the team. You want the best team you can. That, but as I say, like with the with that six position, so Calvin Phillips has quite a specific kind of profile as a six, and Southgate said publicly that there isn't really many options like him, like that can play like him, um, which is fine, and I, I kind of accept that He's point. Correct. I, yeah. I think. Yeah, like it's there isn't options beyond Calvin Phillips really that play like he does. I think he's much more of a ball player than than, than say Reed is, for example. Um, However, there also therefore comes a point where you go, okay, well, if there aren't the options there to do what I want to do, I kind of need to see what else is there. And that's where I feel you could make a pretty decent case for Reed. I would also mention like, you know, James Ward-Prowse has had a difficult season, but he's been in the England setup. Like, you know, there there are alternatives there. Conor, Conor, Conor Gallagher, like, I don't quite get that. I don't see why I don't quite get his importance to the team in a way that he's, I do the one for, he's the one for me where I just don't I just because uh, there are there are like Gibbs White could do what Gallagher does right you know yeah. conceivably he's a bit more of an advanced player Gibbs White but that I don't quite get so that that's where the line crosses and that's that's why and it's difficult for Harrison Reed like clearly his profile isn't wanted and I think that's a waste really um he's in a top 10 team in the Premier League has been consistent every time he's been in the Premier League I'd like Conor Gallagher Exactly. So and um, I, I, I don't really know what else he can do at this point. He, he's got to be on the like, he, I, I, Yeah. So that, that's my sort of takeaway. I, I get the, the need to, for players to, to be in there, even if they're not in form. Um, but there also comes a point where you do actually need to look at other things. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of double down on this. I think it's, it's interesting in terms of how you're building and what you're building for next summer. And if they think that when everybody is fit, that... That Harrison Reed doesn't get a look in, then I can just about accept that. But I do kind of look at it and think, well, if you're kind of, are you blooding for the Euros? Is Jordan Henderson still going to be about the next Euros? Is he still going to be playing at that top level or not? Because if he's not, then that's a waste of a pick. I, I, I think that you know you're looking at some of the some of the names on here, and and look, if if Peter's absolutely spot on, if if Southgate doesn't want a profile like Harrison Reed to sit in his midfield. And if his midfield, you know, preferred midfield partnership is Bellingham and Rice and that Calvin Phillips provides him a more secure shield if he wants to play with a three there and he can go, you know, Phillips, Rice, Bellingham, fine, grand, no problem. That, that is what it is. But then, it, as you say, it doesn't make much sense to bring Conor Gallagher, although he is young and, you know, you'd imagine he's going to be looking forwards. Um but then I kind of don't really get what Jordan Henderson is bringing to the party here, apart from, you know, obviously there is the element of experience and you do need a little bit of kind of a calm head here and there, and that's fine. But like, you're either looking forward or you're looking for right now. And if they're looking for right now, then it's fine to bring Jordan Henderson. If they're looking forwards, then I don't really understand why they're bringing, you know, if they're looking for right now, I don't think you bring Gallagher. If you're looking forwards, I don't think you bring Henderson. So one of the two doesn't make sense. And and I think that's the struggle I'm kind of trying to come to terms with in regard to what this what this looks like for England. Maybe uh, Tony Khan needs to get back in his Ford Fiesta and drive him to St. George's Park instead of to, uh, to Craven Cottage. Um, one uh, transfer rumour that um, has been reasonably strongly linked in the last um, week or so Edouard Michu, mm. which uh, is perfect because we have the Athletics PSG correspondent here. Um, admittedly, he's on loan at Sunderland, so you won't have seen him. But um, man, Peter, I was like, no, he's not. He's on loan <laughs> at PSG. <laughs> 
Um, what do we know about Edouard? Um, I, I mean, I don't know an awful lot, but uh, Jack, I know you went to see um, Sunderland, so so you'll have seen him live in the flesh. Mm, yeah, I've seen him a couple of times now, obviously um, at the cottage, and then then the other week against against Watford. Um, he's been used mostly as a substitute um, this this week. He, he was kind of a ten growing up which is he's quite an interesting little player. I really like him. Like I really like his his ability to you know pick the right pass. He gets his head up. He you know he drives his team forward. Whether he can, you know, translate that into the Premier League when he's sort of been in and out in the, in the championship is a slightly different kind of point, but I do really like him and I think he's a very very clever um like a clever footballer. He you know he, he can kind of he starts as a 10 he kind of drops into the eight positions. And, and and I think what he does nicely is he offers a little bit of versatility in that midfield. He, you know, can bring in, come in short during build-up. He can spin out and, and, and drive the ball forward. He has a nice passing range. Generally, everything looks pretty nice, you know, from, from where we're standing. The only question is whether he's going to be able to do that, you know, step that up into the Premier League. He's got, he's quite, he's quite small still. Um, so it, it I really like him and I think it's a nice link and a, the kind of the right kind of link, which I think is important at this point, right? You know, we're looking for clever moves that sort of bring in different parts of, of this team that kind of fit into the system that look like they add up and all of those things are right. And that's what's maybe got me most excited about this. That Fulham are looking at the right kind of things. I, th- I think if we're going to bring in a player like this, I would be looking at Lorient's Enzo Lefay, who I really like. And I think he'd probably be available for around sort of, eight to ten million ish um but as as links go it's a good start peter any inside scoops from from parry uh nothing groundbreaking on him obviously he's returning from sunderland um i can't see him staying he'll want to leave you know he's, he's played for the first team um psg have this long-standing you know particularly with among supporters this anxiety about getting their younger players into the team and it's completely correct because the number of talents that emerge around Paris that just haven't emerged at PSG like PSG Paris is one city where you could genuinely make a team um from those who come through the Franks or from those who grew up in Paris like if you would just yeah. rule out any signings they could do that and they would probably compete with Champions League um but um they have started to do that obviously Warren Zaire Emery's come in and he's a phenomenal player for someone so young um Michu there's no real pathway there at PSG so um yeah, it will come back and, and reassess his options. Jack summarised him quite well there. Just a type of player. Um, I don't know whether he'd be. I don't know whether he'd compete. I feel like with Fulham, they you want players that will improve your team. So maybe it would have to be a signing that you bring in to look for the longer term. Maybe um, find more of a, a, a development route, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. But um, no, he's a talented youngster. He's been in the um, French youth internationals uh, setup. All right. Well, uh, that'll do for part two. Uh, in part three, we'll go through some of your questions and then this will catch on. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast is Sammy here with Jack and Peter. Just before we get into part three, uh, just a, a quick shout out uh, for the Paul Allen Project uh, latest events. Uh, you'll have heard Claire on here uh, several times this season, all the fantastic work that she's doing uh, in memory of her late dad. Uh, and they're trying to raise money for uh, defibrillators and also um, CPR training. Uh, if you're based in South London and you want to learn how to use uh, a defibrillator, learn how to do CPR and basically for no money, um, then then definitely hit up the Paul Allen Project. I know our very own Farrell Monk has done one of their sessions and found it hugely rewarding. Um, yeah, they're doing an event at Gander Green Lane on the Thursday, the 1st of June in the evening uh, from 6.30. Uh, it's a charity football match, the FA Veterans Football Project. Um, and yeah, so if you fancy seeing a bit of football, uh, raising some money for charity, you're in the Sutton area, then Thursday, the 1st of June. All the details uh, are in the link of the description of this podcast. Uh, you can go to the paulallenproject.org. Org. Uh, right, let's do some questions before we do this little catch on. Love this one from Chris Lewis. Uh, he says, hey, Sammy, was listening to a recent pod and all the panel were remarking about how many amazing away games there have been this season. And it made me think, am I the most unlucky Fulham fan away from home this year? I've been to nine away games. <laughs> this is amazing. 
Crawley, Arsenal, Spurs, West Ham, Man City, Chelsea, Man United in the FA Cup, Bournemouth and Villa. My record is eight losses, one draw and zero wins. Would be great to get a mention on the pod. What a draw though. What a draw. Yeah, that was a good draw. Uh, yeah, good draw at Chelsea. But other than that, to have seven away wins in the season, you didn't go to any of them. Part of my first thought was like, oh, well, quite a lot of the games you've gone to are like local. But actually, he's gone up to Manchester twice. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, not great vibes. Stop going, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it, Chris. Zero away games allowed for you next season. You are permanently barred from going to watch football. Uh, I mean, yes, it's just incredibly unlucky. It'll break, Chris. The sun will come through the clouds, I promise. <laughs> He's going to go to Luton next year, isn't he? And it's going to be miserable and raining and oh, it'll be a 1-0 defeat. Yeah. Maybe, Chris, if you let me know if you're going to an away game and I might rethink about whether I want to go to that match. <laughs> Send out and a warning. <laughs> and if you're not going, let me know and I'll make sure I get there, basically. Nothing personal on you. I just want to make sure I see Fulham win when I go away from home. Yeah, Chris, that is uh, incredibly unfortunate. But And thank you for getting in touch with the pod and giving us uh, a cheap laugh at, at your expense. Um Tom Burrows says, um, hi lads, I've noticed this a lot from you boys and I've wondered if I could get a pledge from you. Nothing to do with Fulham though, mind. Myself and a mate of mine are on a bit of a mission to stop everyone calling Man United, United. I don't see why they're entitled to be United when there are numerous clubs with that name in England. They're already the most awful fan base. This only serves their entitlement. What's the chance of getting the Fulhamish boys on board? And that's thanks from Tom. Um, I do agree. It is a slight bugbear of mine. I don't think I do it, but you know, you, 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 it is easy to fall into the trap of calling Man United United. I know Newcastle get very wound yeah, up. Yeah, and Leeds, it, funny enough. Um, look, this happens with some teams, right? City or City, despite the fact that they are very much not the only city in the Football League system. Blackburn Rovers own the, the, the handle at Rovers, which I imagine really winds up Forest Green. Like... You know, Bristol. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's just one of those things, isn't it? I think the most successful club with any moniker tends to take it as a, as a moniker, and I that's how think, it is. I, I do think there's an element though that United are United because it's you couldn't call them Manchester. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's definitely. There's Whereas definitely part of new, this. new car, there's only one Newcastle. There's only one West Ham. There's only one Leeds. Yeah. Mm. That's a good point. So I do think that partially comes into it and and obviously given their their success. But yeah, I think I, I'm happy to try and join the pledge. Um Peter, is this I bet this is something that's gone around athletic towers from time to time. Um, maybe. Um I have not been uh, partaking in said conversations. I think just trying to think, with 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 those club fan base and careful to not annoy everyone here, but like how do they? I was thinking about Leeds and Leeds will chat Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Whereas I know with Manchester United, they will use United, United. United. Do, do any of those clubs like chant that? West Ham do, don't they? At the end of at the end of bubbles, they go United. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's very, yeah. very common at Old Trafford, though. Yeah, like it's, yeah. They I mean, do if someone refer says themselves to that. I mean, literally, if anyone ever said, I'm off to United today, I do think they're going to see Manchester United. Yeah, It's just become part of they... I think this is it. It's the most successful team with any with any given suffix tends to take it on. Like, Brighton call themselves Albion, but so do West Brom. But it's a little bit of a grey area, that one. Mm. So... Mm. But isn't it like Real Madrid? Like, there's loads of Reals. Like, everyone yeah. knows who you're talking about. Yeah, Real, yeah, exactly. So, but they've they've kind of just... But, uh, you know, do you reckon the lads at Valladolid are absolutely livid? Well, that's <laughs> the other thing. Forces. Well, Real Sociedad, they get really annoyed when people call them Sociedad, right? And it's a bit like an athletic club being called Athletic Bilbao. People hate it. Like, they absolutely despise being called Athletic Bilbao in Bilbao. So with uh, when you shorten Real Sociedad, you're supposed to go to La Real, which is actually their nickname. Um, as opposed to, which just means society, right? Like that's not a, it's not a nickname. It's just a part of yeah. their name. So it's, it's interesting kind of looking at it in that regard. Um, some people really like it. Manchester United fans, I'd imagine, enjoy their kind of hegemony on, on, on the term United. Dominance of words. Yeah. But, <laughs> but some teams really don't like it. And, um, 
Yeah, it's the exact opposite when people like on the commentary where people get really annoyed when Forrest get called Nottingham, right? They're like, we're not Nottingham. Well, yeah, of course. It's not, they hate Notts Forest. That's what they really hate because... It's county, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's county, but it, yeah, so it's it's. I mean, look, I can't believe I'm in a linguistic debate, I'm enjoying <laughs> myself. Um, but it, yeah, is what it is, it is what it is. I, I mean, fortunately, Fulham is very simple, yeah, 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 yeah. but um, like just nice and easy, nice and don't easy. get involved in anything. What would you say? What, here's a question What would you say is Fulham's nickname? Like, what would you what would you go to for the nickname? Whites, yeah, definitely, yeah. My granddad, my granddad used to call us the Lily Whites, which I really like. Um, but those Spurs used that. Spurs, yeah. Yeah, so, I suppose so Spurs. Leeds use the Whites as well. So yeah, yeah, that's true. It's. Um, I mean, obviously now, obviously, Chow Polina has managed to reinvigorate the. We are uh, cottages cottage now. We are, we are cottages. cottages. We are the cottages, not the cottagers. The cottages. Very important. Um, there actually could be something in that that maybe that Xiao's onto something here through his broken English because we obviously know the connotations of <laughs> cottages, but maybe that's what Xiao's found. I don't, maybe we he's are found, the he's found a way out. Yeah, the marketing team need to get on that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I do, yeah, I do, I do like Lily Whites. Yeah. I mean, it, the easiest one is you whites or whatever. But I mean, it's pretty boring. Just like whenever I see teams say oh they're with the reds it's like oh, great so it's about 60 percent of the league are reds um but yeah uh someone didn't really think through the old uh, official nickname back in the day well i don't Maybe think it probably, the- i think it probably had different connotations back in the day right <laughs> um we Co- could always be the was on I was gonna say, there, just, by the way that was a play let's liberate billy the badger the Badgers. Always. No, I don't. I don't like that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can get on board with the Badgers. There's other connotations to being a Badger as well, so it's not like, not ideal. Yeah, I think we should just we should leave this alone. <laughs> That's why I asked. Um, this one from Georgie Brooke. Uh, she says, assuming the bottom five finishes, they are with Forrest on the beach at Palace. Has any other team got more points out of the bottom five? We have 28 out of 30 points. Um, you'll have heard uh, me on the podcast the other week get it completely wrong, thinking that we'd beaten all of the bottom five, and I'd forgotten the fact we drew of Everton at home. Um, Elizabeth Barnard correctly uh, corrected me. Uh, she says, as things stand, we have 39 from 60 points from teams below us and 13 from 39 from those above with one to play. And there were only a handful of games against those ninth and above where we were not in the game. So many late winners for biggest opponents with bigger squad. It is clear where we can improve next season. A few more scalps and we'd be challenging Brighton for Europe. Can't disagree with that, Georgie. I have done the research here for once. Good man. I have looked into this. So the bottom five record for... I've just gone for the top six teams. I have assumed that no one, um, oh no, I, I know that Villa don't count into this either. So I'm assuming no one seventh and below is even close. Um, if I, I, there's a might, maybe an anomaly where I've got that wrong. Um, and yes, we have the best record against the bottom five. City got 26 points out of 30. Arsenal got 20 points out of 30. That's why they lost the title. Man United got 26 points out of 30. Newcastle got 24 points out of 30. Liverpool haven't played everyone because they got Southampton on the final game. But even if they won that, it would only be 25 points out of 30. And Brighton got 18 out of 30. Um, Europa League Brighton struggling. Did you see that? Did you see that they they played the Europa League theme tune at the end of the game against City yesterday? Yeah. I, I, I loved it. love it. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> If Fulham ever qualify for either, I want the theme tune to be played afterwards. Yes, please. Um, so yeah, there it is. Um, pretty much, unless I've, unless someone in the bottom ten has done a better record than Fulham, which I'm assuming they haven't. Um, great record against the bottom five, Peter. One for the trophy cabinet. Yeah, add it to the list. That's good. I mean, that's those are the teams you needed to be. I mean, if you go back to the start of the season, that's you always want to beat the teams that you thought would be around you. Turns out. If you do beat them all, you, you don't end up around them. So um, Fulham did that emphatically. And, you know, as was said, you know, the, it's not like there was a massive discrepancy when facing the teams above Fulham. You know, those games are all tight. Um, it makes sense <laughs> that you do better against the teams below you than above you. So it's quite neat in that sense. There's no erratic, unexplainable form. Um, so it makes it very straightforward where to improve. Yeah. 
All right, let's do this or catch on before we finish. Uh, we haven't had it for a couple of weeks. Peter is back and what he's really missed in Paris, he's been texting me all the time. He said, Sammy, I just I just haven't been getting my fix of random Fulham songs. So, um, Peter, here you go. How many Peters do you have in your contacts book? <laughs> first one is from christian pisani says hello sammy and all at fulhamish i've been a big fan for years i went Thanks to school with christian oh is that me i i went to school with christian as well yeah. <laughs> yeah. well we went to the same school that's it's a good start <laughs> let's clarify that he does actually say at the bottom he says uh, if peter is there do ask him if he remembers our football manager online season where i got sacked yes. as fulham boss yeah Using Hitachi to um, this is before Football Manager like added online elements to uh, to it. We used, <laughs> yeah we would use special software to link our computers to play. What an era! God, you you guys were so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, please find my attached new creation for the imperious Issa Diop. With Ream out, Diop is now a guaranteed starter, and all season I've been mightily impressed with his penchant for slide tackling conceptualized and recorded intoxicated and saved by my brother's musical skills to the tune of give me hope joanna by eddie grant please enjoy <laughs> well is a diop runs the cottage he runs in when the other defense falls he makes a few of his people happy oh he doesn't care who wrestle the ball He's in a system they call Marco Ball It keeps attackers near the offside line But maybe players will break around Tim Ream And everybody will see the time Oh, it's Diop, you runner Diop, you runner It's Diop, you runner When the sliding comes Is a Diop you run a diop, you run a diop when the sliding comes. Is this a live flute solo? Because I'm in if it is. <laughs> <laughs> I had a smile on my face for the whole of that. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Great times. Yeah, great times had by all. Yeah, let's get that going. <laughs> I love a bit of that. Yeah, well done, Chris. That's class. <laughs> um... To the tune of Give Me Hope, Joanna, or uh, to those of us in the UK, the, the Muller song. Yop. The Yop song, Yop. not the Muller song. Yop the song. Muller song. <laughs> How have you got that wrong? It's in the title. I don't know. It's in the name. <laughs> right, you're getting- I suddenly had a mind blank just before I said it. You're getting relegated. Even Joe Ward, Warded. I got my, yo- I got my yogurts mixed up. Um, right, final one today. Um, says, hi team, I've done another song to try out for the Willis Catch On section. This one is for Tosin, to the tune of Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Loving the podcast, keep up the great work. (laughs) And this is one's from Ash Rodriguez. He started off at Man City when he was just a lad. Then one day Pep said adios, which made him kind of sad. He ended up at Fulham and now he's really glad. Because now he's got the longest name that Fulham's ever had. Oh, supercalifragilisticexpialitosin. He is the big centre-back that Marcus Hill has chosen. He is just so bloody cool that he is almost frozen. Supercalifragilisticexpialitosin. Umpty-lily-lumpty-lie, supercalifragilisticexpialitosin. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, stick a fork in me, I'm done. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'm actually in tears. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I <laughs> It's the kind of um, <laughs> dour Australian accent as well that just absolutely makes it. Oh dear, I, Ash, I don't, I don't know. That's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. Peter, your thoughts? That's admirable. <laughs> admirable commitment. 
<laughs> I didn't think there'd be so much of supercalifragilistic would be in it. No, I was really intrigued to see how it was going to get. Also, at the moment, it was like, oh, the longest name that Fulham's ever seen. I was like, all right, okay, here we go. Like, yeah, name's right. Toast bio. Yeah. None of it in there. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> hmm. oh, amazing. 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 Ash, thank you very much. Thanks, uh, And that'll do... Uh, for the podcast today um we do just um need to name it i will give you a couple of options jack as ever um quite a lot of them um are as you'd imagine um so we've got uh red devil redemption from uh nathan tambini um christian liedberg just says what a season neil joyce mitro's red revenge uh, Christian Lieberg also says devils. We know, which I think oh, is very, very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Littlejohn, Tony Khan's Fiesta. What would you like to go with Jack? I do like red devil de- redemption. That's very clever. I like that a lot. I do like okay. devils. We know I, and I appreciate it. And there's lots of things going for it, but red devil redemption just feels right. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. All right. That'll do for the podcast today. Jack, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Sammy. I love that. Peter, thank you very much. Merci beaucoup, Sammy. It's a real pleasure. And we'll see you both next week for the end of season awards, mm. if, uh, if you're up for it. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to give out some, uh, some, some fun trophies. Manager yeah. of the season, Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, have a lovely weekend. George will be back on Monday uh, reviewing everything that happens in the Man United game and we'll be back this time next week. Come on, you guys. You guys. Right.